even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. Also available on not Twitter, X, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. That is at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. I hope you all enjoyed the new intro. I've been working on that for a decent amount of time. I want to say over the past three weeks, that intro has been undergoing constant changes, you know, trying to find the right voice clips to put in there, trying to find the right beat to put the voice clips over. Just a lot of stuff trying to find out the best way to do that intro. I think we landed on a pretty good one. I am happy with the result. As of right now, I hope you all are also happy with that result. We finally had our first NFL game of the season. Now, it wasn't meaningful football, in all honesty, but at least it was some NFL football. So I'm not going to complain, right? I'm not going to be talking too much about that preseason game, although I did watch it. It was just great to not just watch the football game, but also hear some of the newest members of the Hall of Fame family talk. Rondé Barber, Joe Thomas, loved hearing about that. But today's episode is going to be my predictions, my record predictions, more specifically, for the AFC and the NFC. I'm not going to be talking about playoffs here. I might do that on my TikTok page. I am going to post my predictions for every single game of the season as of right now on Twitter, though. Or, sorry, X. I I still hate that name, but you know what? Maybe when I'm a billionaire, then I'll pick a name for a social media website. Until then, I can't complain. So, on X, I'm going to post my game-by-game predictions for every single team. But here, I'm going to go over my predictions for each division, how I think they're going to play out, the record predictions, and I'm going to finish it up by talking about the seeding for playoffs and some of my takeaways from those predictions. Now, keep in mind, I didn't just make these predictions based off of, oh, the Chiefs are a very good team, so I'm going to make them 17-0 and because they're the best in the league, even though I don't even think they're the best in the league, but let's say I did think that. Or, man, the Cardinals are the worst team in the league, so they're going 0-17. I wasn't just like that. I went through their entire schedule and went game by game in order to make the decisions that I made. And I've been, you know, polishing this up for a decent amount of time now. And it's very difficult to do these predictions. I'm going to tell you that much. Because I'm trying to be accurate. I'm not going to try and just pick the better team in each matchup. I'm not just going to pick the better team that's also playing at home for every matchup. I'm trying to legitimately predict the entire season. 
Now, I wouldn't say that I ignored injuries, but I didn't necessarily try and predict those. But I did try and predict the upsets. I tried to predict how a team would react to gaining a certain amount of momentum, all that stuff. How well a team is going to adapt to a new scheme early in the season. How well a team is going to be able to persevere later in the season. I tried to predict all that stuff. Stuff that's very hard to predict, but I really made an effort at it. Last year I did a similar thing, and I I think I did a pretty okay job. I'm not going to lie. I obviously didn't get everything spot on, but who will ever? I'm not expecting these to all be spot on. But I think relative to the time period, the knowledge that we have, I think I did a pretty good job with these. I am very excited to reveal them to you, so let's jump right into it with the NFC North. I'll start with my division winner, the 10-7 Detroit Lions, then the 7-10 Minnesota Vikings, tied with the 7-10 Green Bay Packers, and then the 6-11 Chicago Bears. So, Detroit, as you can tell, I think is a noticeably better team than any other team in this division. The Vikings, I do still think, are good. But if you look at the NFC North schedule, it is quite difficult. Last year, the NFC North got in a lot of tight football games. That is no secret. And they were very lucky in most of those games. This year, I expect them not to win as many of these tight games. They have Brian Flores now, and that's going to make that defense a whole lot better. But at the same time, the defense lost a lot of talent. Okay, They gained some new players, but they lost a lot of talent. I think they got better, even though the record won't show it. The record, as you can tell, I don't have showing it. I think they are a slightly better team. Again, last year they had a negative point differential. Okay, They were a very fraudulent team. Seven and ten. I I just think that schedule was such a big part of that record. You hear that record, and all of a sudden you're just like, "Oh no way!" You're gonna give them that record and say that they're a better team. You have them losing. What? What were they? Twelve win team last year. So I have them losing five more games than last year, but I'm saying that they're a better team. And for me, it's either they're better or about the same. The reason that they're 7-10, and 10, despite me saying that they're about the same or better, is because I don't think they have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to successfully execute the Brian Flores scheme, one. And two, they're going to be in a lot of games where they're playing teams that are like their tier. And there were a lot of games last year for the Vikings where they played down to their competition. They played below what they're supposed to do. And then towards the end, they picked it up, and that was great. But when they're consistently playing teams that are their tier and teams that are better, and that's what their schedule is filled with, teams that are pretty much on par with them or better, when they're playing as teams like that, I don't think it's going to end well. The Lions are a much better team. That's why they're winning the division at 10 and 7. They added so many new pieces to that secondary. As we all know, CJ Gardner-Johnson, big addition. 
They added Brian Branch. That's a major addition. They added a whole lot to that team. And that defense should be much, much better for that reason. Along with that, the offense should still be an explosive unit. The Green Bay Packers, I have at 7-10. and 10. They're a big question mark for me. I could see them having literally any record in the NFL. I can. They are such a big question mark just because their quarterback, no one knows what to expect, really. No one. I like to believe that Jordan Love is a playmaker. That's what he was in college, but it's been so long since he played for a full season. We don't know the type of player he is at this point. We don't know the type of offense that's going to be designed around him at this point. There's a lot of changes going on in Green Bay. They're a very hard team to predict, but I have them 7-10. and 10. Which, with that schedule, not that bad of a record, okay? Then I have the Chicago Bears at 6-11. and 11. Listen, I'm not going to try and predict this big Justin Fields breakout because I honestly don't see it. I don't. But they are a better team than last year. There is no denying that. And, as you could tell by the record, I think that they're a better team. Again, this is with a harder schedule, too. I think that the Chicago Bears now will have a more established passing attack. Their rushing attacks will still be very good, and the defense has improved. But the problem is the defense didn't improve enough. I still don't really like the defense. And Justin Fields, I still don't think he's going to be a great thrower of the football, not even from a physical standpoint. I think he throws a good ball. It's the mental stuff that he has struggled to improve at. And I'm not going to believe he will improve until I see him improve. So, again, that's the Detroit Lions as the number one in the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings at 7-10 and ten in second. The Packers are in third, also 7-10, and 10, and then the Chicago Bears come in fourth with a 6-11 and 11 record. Now, the NFC East, I think this is going to be a tight race right here. But believe it or not, I have the Dallas Cowboys as the top team in the division at 10-7, and seven, and then the Eagles are also at 10-7. and seven behind the Cowboys because I have the Cowboys not beating the Eagles once, but twice during the regular season. Then the Giants at 8-9, and nine, and the Commanders at 6-11. and 11. So let me address the elephant in the room, me having the Cowboys beat the Eagles twice during the regular season. And I know that hurts Eagles fans to hear, and I get it. But just look at how the Cowboys are built. Look at the off-season additions that they have made. Adding Mozzie Smith to the interior, making it much harder to run on them, something the Eagles are very, very good at. Adding a very good second corner, someone that, if you ask me, is pretty much built to defend a receiver like Devonta Smith. Then you have Trayvon Diggs on the other side to guard A.J. Brown. Just the way this team is built overall. Now the addition of Brandon Cooks. So now you got three 
damn good wide receivers. The Eagles really only have two great corners, and now they're doing a competition to find the great slot. But they don't have C.J. Garner-Johnson anymore. So you want to take advantage of that. That's why they brought in Brandon Cooks. The way this team is built, it just made to be the kryptonite to the Eagles. Micah Parsons is going to make sure that Jalen Hurts doesn't do too much damage on the ground. They're built to beat the Eagles. So, yes, I think that the Eagles are going to lose both of those games against the Dallas Cowboys this year. And as a result, when they're both 10-7, and the Cowboys are going to have the tiebreaker, making them the number one team in the NFC East over the Eagles. The Cowboys are a great team besides just being the kryptonite to their division rival. They have Dak Prescott, who despite what the media might say about him, is still a very good quarterback. The offensive line is only getting older, I know, but it seems like it's never going to decline. Tony Pollard's a good running back. We just need to hope he can recover from an injury well. I am a little bit worried about them losing Kellen Moore, and believe it or not, they have a worse record than last year. Last year, they were a 12-win team, so... I am taking away a little bit from them. But that defense should be even better than last year. It probably will be the best defense in the NFL. I mean, last year they were already amazing. But now they have Stefan Diggs and Mozzie Smith added to it. Hopefully their corner room stays healthy this year. And big differences will also come alongside that. And of course, Micah Parsons is still an absolute animal. They're a great defense, and the offense should be good, not as good, even though they did add Brandon Cooks, mainly because Kellen Moore isn't there. That's a real hurtful thing. They could have kept him. I don't know why they didn't. But, you know, McCarthy probably won't do the worst job in the world. So the Cowboys I have as the best team in the NFC East, or the best record, I guess, in the NFC East, even though they're tied in terms of record, but you know what I mean. The one seed in the NFC East, I guess. The Eagles I have as the two seed, like I talked about, or number two in the NFC East. I guess I shouldn't be referring to it as the seed, but you get my point. The Eagles, well, we all know. They were in the Super Bowl last year for a reason. Very good team all around. They just need to stay healthy again, which even if they don't, I mean, they have more than enough depth, right? All they do is draft for depth. So they should be set anyway. They do have a lot of players that are stepping up. They lost both their coordinators, which could definitely hurt them. Alongside losing Javon Hargrave, alongside losing both of their inside linebackers, right? So changes are being made. But they have guys replacing these people that are probably also going to do a good job. I mean, Kobe Dean, I loved coming out of the draft. Same with Jordan Davis, who is replacing Javon Hargrave. So, they should still be a very, very good team. Maybe not quite as good, but still very, very good. Then the Giants at 8-9. and nine, Their schedule was the toughest in the league. And they're a better team than last year, but again, their schedule was just so tough. So tough. So, I find it difficult to give them a higher record than this, personally. 
even though Saquon Barkley is playing, I don't think it makes too much of a difference because that schedule is just so damn tough. Darren Waller needs to stay healthy. That's going to be a big thing for them. If he stays healthy, that's going to be a huge difference for them because he legitimately is their top receiving target. Him and then Saquon and then their receivers, which says a lot about the receiver core, which is also a better unit, but still not overly great. The offensive line got better with the addition of John Michael Smiths, and then defensively they added a stud of a cornerback, in my opinion, in Deontay Banks. I'm expecting a season that is a lot better than the record will say for the New York Giants. Then the Commanders at 6-11. and 11. Now, they're in a bloodbath of a division while also having a very difficult schedule. They should be around 500. They should. But because of that schedule mixed with the fact they're in a bloodbath of, of a division, yeah, there's only 6-11. and 11. Ron Rivera probably gets fired after this. And then, hey, maybe Eric Bieniemy gets hired. That would be great, wouldn't it? The enemy, I think, will do a good job as the offensive coordinator here. I'm expecting a big season from Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, but I don't think if it's it's going to be quite enough to make up for a defense that, despite having a lot of talent, has only really underperformed. And I don't really love their quarterback situation either. I am not a big Sam Howell guy, and I think Jacoby Brissett is good for a backup, but... I mean, keyword backup, right? So there's a lot of concern with that team, but I still think they have pieces. They're a team that will show promise. Another team that will probably be better than the record, but that schedule makes it really hard on them. Now, the NFC South, I think, is going to be an interesting one because there's not like a Cincinnati Bengals here. There isn't a Kansas City Chiefs here. But there's three teams that can make the playoffs, and that's not just because they're in the, this division, but they're legitimately capable teams. Then there's the Buccaneers, who I have finishing at 4-13, and who will not be in this competition. They might be starting either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, I am expecting a top-five pick for them. The Saints I have finishing as the third team at 8 and 9, which is close to 500, obviously. They're kind of locked in this weird position of mediocrity. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the pod. And they're going to be mediocre for a while, but until they finally embrace the fact that they need to rebuild and finally stop kicking the can down the road with their salary cap decisions, that's when they'll be able to go back to this team we saw back in the Drew Brees era. But until then, they're either going to be mediocre or bad. And this is another year where they're just going to be mediocre. The decision to bring in Derek Carr, I think, was just idiotic. I think they should have let Jameis Winston play and embrace the fact they need to rebuild. I don't know why they're so willing to just spend more money that they really don't have. That's why they're $100 million over the cap every year. But that aside, let's just talk about this year. The 8-9 and nine record for them is a large part because the schedule is pretty easy. One. And two, they have a capable defense. The offense should be average-ish. They can do damage, especially if teams are going to sleep on them. 
but they're very mediocre. They are. They're very mid. They're the most mid team there is. The Carolina Panthers I have at 9-8. and eight. I like a lot of what the Panthers have. Frank Reich, he's not this amazing head coach, but he's a capable one. He's good. There's no flaw with having him as your head coach, really. He'll never really maximize your team, but he'll definitely prevent them from being bad. And when you're trying to rebuild, that's a good thing to have, right? Especially when you have a rookie quarterback and all that good stuff. The offensive line, I'm expecting improvement there. Bryce Young, even though he's a rookie, I am expecting, you know, a good year for him. The wide receiver core, I don't love, really. But the main reason I have them here is because of their defense. I do like their defense a lot, especially with Evero now calling the shots. The offense should be average. I'm expecting an average, maybe below average offense, but a great defense. And that with that schedule is going to be enough for a 9-8 and eight record. Then at the top of the division, and I think far and away the best team in the division, is the Atlanta Falcons. Who I have going eleven and six. The rushing attack should be dangerous. The offensive line isn't amazing at pass blocking, but it sure is amazing at run blocking. Maybe Kyle Pitts does a little bit more damage this year. The defense should be a whole lot better. The addition of guys like Jesse Bates, even though Calais Campbell is very old, I think he's gonna be big for them. They added David Anyamata. I think this team is going to be really, really legit and catch a lot of people by surprise with that three-headed monster of Tyler Algier, B. John Robinson, and Cordero Patterson. Even though I don't love Desmond Ritter, I think that rushing attack is going to do enough damage for it to not really matter. Now, the NFC West, last team in the NFC. I have the 49ers on top with 11 and 6, the Seahawks at 10 and 7, and they're going to notice a huge gap here. I have the Rams at 5 and 12 and the Cardinals at 2 and 15. The 49ers were all worried about the quarterback situation, obviously. But I have faith they're going to make the right decision there, just someone to execute the offense. And if they just have someone that can execute the offense, well we saw what happened with Brock Purdy last year. It worked really well. As long as they could give the ball to Christian McCaffrey, throw the easy passes to Debo Samuel and allow him to make plays after the catch, good things are going to happen, okay? And even though they lost to Miko Ryans, that defense is still going to be really, really good because the defense is always really good. And they still have Fred Warner, and they still have Nick Bosa, and now they even have Javon Hargrave, which is not fair, if you ask me. Talanoa Hufanga? I want to see him have another really good year. He had a random breakout season last year, and I hope he continues to play very well because he was really fun to watch last year. He was a key part of the 49ers last year. Even if Brock Purdy isn't the starter, that means that Trey Lance gives them a higher chance of winning than Brock Purdy, right? Because Brock Purdy will only ride the bench bench if Trey Lance is better or if Sam Darnold I guess is better okay I am expecting them to be a good team no matter who the quarterback is a very good team and a division winning team 
although I do really, really, really like the team I have coming in second in the division, the Seattle Seahawks. I love Geno Smith. I think he had a great year, still a year that's very underrated, although he seems to be getting a lot of recognition. I still think it's an underrated season from him. They're the best wide receiver trio in all of the NFL. A very threatening running back duo, although both guys are hurt, but Zach Char Bannett, Zach Char Bonnet, sorry, not Bannett. He was playing through the shoulder injury in training camp, so that makes me a little bit more optimistic. The defense, I think, will be a lot better, especially the running defense. Now, Jamal Adams is coming back, we believe, but that injury is so big, I'm not banking on him being much of a factor because that that injury was big, and it could potentially be career-ending. But still... Bringing Bobby Wagner back, I know he gets a bad rep because of how old he is and he can't really move sideline to sideline anymore, but he still is a good role player for them. And he'll really help prevent those inside runs from being big plays like they were last year. Because the defensive line still doesn't look like it's capable of really holding down the fort. But instead of allowing 30-yard carries... Bobby Wagner's going to ensure that they're only five-yard carries. So that, I think, is a very big deal. And I know people are going to sleep on that signing from them, but I think it is very important. And it's more than just bringing back an old legend for the team. Then the Rams. I do think Stafford and Cup is going to be enough to win four, five games. But that defense is the worst in the NFL. They've Aaron Donald, who I don't even think is the best interior defensive lineman in the league anymore. I'm sorry to break it to you. A lot of people still say that he's the best interior defensive lineman in the league, and I'm sorry, but there's too many good interior defensive linemen for him to be the best in the league anymore. But he still is a very, very, very good one. Don't get me wrong. But besides him, they have no one. They literally have no one on the defensive side of the ball besides him. And then offensively, the O-line is trash, but Cooper Cup is still really dangerous, assuming he stays healthy. And if Matthew Stafford stays healthy too, that quarterback-wide receiver duo will win them games single-handedly if Sean McVay allows them to. And Sean McVay is also a very good coach. I don't think he wants to lose so many games they have the number one pick. So, And then, sadly, it only gets worse in the NFC West. We have to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, who I have going 2-15. Kyler Murray not playing for a part of the year, most likely. And even when he does play, do I really have faith he's going to carry this team without DeAndre Hopkins? With a head coach that, honestly, I, I don't know what to think about him. I, I mean, apparently he's a big character guy. Which means, hey, maybe the team's inspired to win more than two games. But that defense is also terrible. I, I mean, there's nothing to like. I, I'm not even going to say, oh, yeah. You know, I, I like some of this. No, there's nothing to like. Actually, no. Pardon. I like Paris Johnson. I think he's a very good offensive lineman. And he's pro-ready, too. So he's probably going to have a good rookie year. 
However, no one is going to even remotely care because no matter how good he is, he could be the best offensive lineman in the league. Not saying that he's going to be, but let's say that he is. No one would still care because the Cardinals would win four games at most. No matter how good any individual player on the team is, the rest of the team is just so garbage. Even if Kyler Murray has the best season of his career and comes back earlier than everyone expects, five wins? Like, they they are bad, man. They are really, really bad. I don't want to talk about them much more, in all honesty. Let's talk about the AFC North now. Let's move over to the AFC North because I, I'm done talking about the crappy teams in the NFC. So we went from talking about my team that's going to have the worst record in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, to the team I think is going to have the best. Not the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens. The new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, is going to throw the ball a lot more than any Ravens team has done in the past. I think the run game is going to be worse, okay? I I absolutely think that. But I still think it's going to be remarkably efficient. I still think Lamar Jackson is going to do a lot of damage with his legs, but I think now he's going to do way more damage with his arms. People will always point at his lack of passing yards. That's because he's never really been on an offense that wants him to throw the ball a lot. Now he is. And he's surrounded by the best arsenal of weapons he's ever had. And I think that it is the, at least to my knowledge, I haven't dove into too much Ravens history. But to my knowledge, this is the best Ravens receiver core ever. Zay Flowers, I think, is going to have an offensive rookie of the year season. I think he's going to be insanely good this year and even better in the future. I think OBJ, if he can stay healthy, is still a really, really good player. At least last time we saw him on the Rams, he was very, very good. And then Rashad Bateman, still a big fan of him. He needs to stay healthy too, though. If all three of those guys could stay healthy and then Mark Andrews? (laughs) Come on. Come on. He's... Lamar Jackson is going to have an insane year. Then, of course, add to that a very, very good offensive line. Lamar Jackson and what he could do on the ground. And, of course, one of the league's top defenses. That is only improving. That makes a very, very scary team. A team that I have winning 14 games and only losing three. But there's another team that's absolutely going to compete with this Ravens team, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, led by Joe Burrow, with another incredible, incredible receiving core with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins, extremely threatening. Another very good defense with a defensive mastermind in Lou Anarumo. I'm expecting them to do some damage, too. I have them winning 12 games and only losing five. Then the Browns are a team that I give a lot more respect to than anyone else. But I really don't care. I think they deserve it. I think that Deshaun Watson is going to 
returned to form. Maybe not quite the elite player he once was, but I'm expecting at least mediocrity from him. And if that's the case, oh boy, if that's the case, they're going to be extremely threatening. Best offensive line in the league. It's either them or Detroit, really. Nick Chubb, who is one of the best running backs in the league. And that receiver core. Amari Cooper, I like. I think Elijah Moore is going to return to form. I completely blame his quote-unquote sophomore slump on LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for the Jets last year, who just refused to put him on the field for whatever reason. But he he was great his rookie year, and now he's going to get more playing time. I think he's going to have a very good season. And they also have Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Cedric Tillman. Two guys that I really like. Then, of course, that defense. You got Miles Garrett. You don't really need much else. But they still have other stuff, like Denzel Ward. A very underrated corner who does a remarkably good job. 11 wins for them, I think, is a very realistic number. I think they're going to be really, really threatening for opposing teams. And, of course, it wouldn't be the AFC North if the Steelers weren't Pretty much exactly at 500. And now as for the seeding. Playoff seeding for both the NFC and the AFC. Let's start with the NFC. The 49ers I have with the one seed in the NFC. Then the Falcons as the two seed. Cowboys as the three seed because they won the division obviously. Lions as the four seed, and then because the Cowboys won the division, as we mentioned earlier, it was because of the tiebreakers that I mentioned earlier. The Eagles are the five seed. Instead of the Cowboys being the five seed and the Eagles winning the division being in the top three. So that's big. The team that I have as the five seed was the team that lost the Super Bowl last year, won the NFC last year. Says a lot. They lost a lot. A lot has changed since then. Then the Seattle Seahawks, I have this as the sixth seed. This is a team I think is going to tear shit up in the playoffs. Even though they're the sixth seed, they're just such a complete team. I'm expecting them to end up doing much more than the seeding might make you think. Although that home field advantage would be big for them. And then the seventh seed, because of just how weak the NFC is, I have the seventh seed as the Bryce Young-led Carolina Panthers. Says a lot about how weak the NFC is. Ideally, I mean, best case scenario, the Giants, who would have just missed the playoffs with an 8-9 and nine record tied with the Saints. Best case scenario, the Giants would make it instead of the Panthers. That would be the most interesting playoffs. But the Panthers are just... The easy schedule really helps them here. And I think the defense, of course, a big reason why they would be here. But let's not sleep on that offense too much. I like Bryce Young a decent amount. I didn't have him as I didn't have him as my QB one, but I still do like him. The rushing attack should be dangerous with Miles Sanders. I, I expect them to use Bryce Young's mobility pretty well too. A lot of RPOs should work well for him. I think that 
the Panthers are a team people are sleeping on. But more than anything, I think the Falcons as a two seed might surprise a lot of people. But I'm telling you, man, the Falcons are dangerous. The Falcons are a really dangerous team. They won the NFC South, a division that has a really, really easy schedule. So that's why they're in the two seed. But I think they're really going to be dangerous despite that. They're not just here because their schedule is easy. They are a good team in their own right. And the 49ers being the one shot, the one seed shouldn't be too surprising, but you never know. Then in the AFC, Ravens as the one seed. Again, I went over it. I love the Ravens this year. The Jaguars as the two seed. Uh, I mentioned earlier how a lot of these awards are going to go to Jaguars players. Then the Chiefs as the three seed. I told you the slow start is going to hurt them a little bit. Losing Eric Bieniemy, that's a big deal, man. The Jets as the four seed. I could see them ending up being the one seed. I absolutely could. I I think my opinion on the Jets is lower than most, and I still have them as the four seed. That says a lot. Then the Bengals as the five seed. This is a team I think. If you ask me right now who is the best team in the league, I would probably say the Cincinnati Bengals. It's important to say, too. So the Jaguars have a 12-5 and record. The Bengals have the same record, yet the Bengals are the 5 seed because the Ravens just have such a high record. Then the Browns I have as the 6 seed. Again, the AFC North, they, they might be tearing each other up, but in terms of out-of-division opponents, they're pretty lucky. So that's why you have three AFC North teams here. And then the Miami Dolphins as the seventh seed. They are just so explosive. Again, far from a complete team, but they do what they do well. They do so, so well. And it's really threatening to opponents. And it's worth mentioning that the 10-7 and 7 Broncos and Chargers both missed it. Which, if you ask me, that's a successful season for the Broncos going 10-7. and 7. Also, the AFC East was such a bloodbath that the Bills missed it at 9-8. and eight. So, people talk so much, hey, did the window close, did the window close, did the window close? I guess I have it that it closed. I think they very well could make the playoffs and make a deep run, but personally, I don't have that happening. I don't even have them making the playoffs, so what does that tell you? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to see the in-depth schedules and who I have winning each game, of the NFL season, follow, not my Twitter, my X at no huddle NFL with an underscore at the end, because that's where I'm going to be posting it. And I'm probably going to post the playoffs on my TikTok page at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. And then of course, also follow my Instagram because I post a decent amount there too. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope you all enjoyed the intro too. I don't have an outro, not yet at least. I'll see you all next week. Maybe I'll have an outro then.